Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission. This week, Pastor Doug will be sharing the stories of Zacharias and Elizabeth and what her pregnancy meant for Mary and Joseph. This Christmas season, we encourage you to seek God and see how these stories relate to your personal story. Now, here's Pastor Doug with this week's message. If you want to turn to uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, we're going to go over a, a couple of uh, couple of births today. Now, in this season, uh, a lot of people look at Christmas differently. They look at it as, man, I got to go out. I got to spend money. I got to get gifts. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's not really I have to. I choose to. Now, but people... take Christmas as a burden it's because they make it a burden well I have to do all of these things no you don't you you choose to do and celebrate Christmas how you want to if you don't want to put a tree up don't put a tree up you don't want to celebrate Santa don't celebrate Santa you don't want to open presents don't open presents people have traditions and in our family it's different than when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, we had one tree. We decorated our tree one way. We had a particular set of lights, and it was always the outside lights. And the majority of the time, it was a real tree. Until I got older, it got to be a fake tree. With people putting such a burden on themselves, on how they are told to celebrate or whatever. Now, what do you celebrate Christmas for? Is it for the presents? We have any kids in here? No kids? Good. All right. Now, huh? (laughs) All right. My daughter, growing up, Now, I've heard pastors say, my kids don't even know. They know that Santa Claus isn't real. So I'm like, why? Because I don't want them to believe in somebody that brought them a present when I'm the one that paid for it. That, to me, is silly. Now, I enjoyed being Santa Claus for my daughter. I enjoyed it for my son. Now, my daughter wrote a letter every year for Santa to tell the heart of a child, to tell an individual, I hope your year has been good. She didn't give me a list of what I want. She asked him how he was doing, how his reindeers are doing. Hoped his night was going well. I mean, all through the years of, of, of her writing these letters, I got to write them back. She didn't know it was me. But through the letters that I wrote back, I took in consideration of what she put down. And I didn't take it away from Christ, but found a way to put him in it. The problem with people looking at Christmas is 
It's a, it's a secular holiday full of presents, full of all these stores going, spending all this money. It's not that. Has you add that part in? Now, I love getting gifts for my family when I know what they are. <laughs> I could tell you a story about Mother's Day, but I'll leave that one out of it. Anyway, I told my wife, never again will I ever take my kids back to get her anything without a list. Well, I guess I will tell you this one. Now, Alyssa's a baby in diapers. Her first Mother's Day. She was born June 29th. And so that following year, she's in diapers. I take her, take my boy. They're seven years apart. We go to Walmart to pick her out a gift. And, and uh, we start walking down the aisle. And uh, I said, well, buddy, what do you want to get your mom for, uh, for Mother's Day? How about a pillow? No, buddy, we're not going to get her a pillow. Comes to a cartoon he likes. Well, how about this? No, buddy, that's for you. And we go, well, how about a pillow? No, buddy, we're not going to get her a pillow. Something else? No, buddy, that's for you. Well, how about a pillow? I'm like, all right. <clears throat> Let's go to this nursery down the street, and we're, we're going to pick her out a plant. We get there. I go to pull Alyssa out. She messed her diaper, and it's all the way up her back. I set her back in the seat. Get in a truck, bud. We get in a truck, go home. I walk in. Never again will I ever walk out without a list, ever. And I haven't. So if she don't give me a list, she gets nothing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you make the holiday what you want it. But remember, I understand that Jesus wasn't born on the 25th. And you have people, I've got people in my family that does not celebrate Christmas for that reason. Well, it doesn't say it in Scripture. True, it doesn't. It, it doesn't tell you to celebrate the birth of Christ. They don't, re they, they don't celebrate the, the, uh, the resurrection either. Now, they're, they're Christians, but they're looking at it the wrong way. The Old Testament says, well, well, when Easter comes along, they do celebrate the Passover because the Bible says about celebrating it. Do this in remembrance of this that took place. Well, the Lord's Supper comes and, and he starts breaking the bread and the wine. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ and remembrance of what He did for us. We celebrate the birth of Christ, knowing that it's not on the 25th, but in the remembrance that God at that point loved us enough to depart from His Son in physical form to send Him down for us as a sacrifice. So physically, they were separated but not spiritually because he was constantly in prayer with the Father. At one point, there was full separation between the Father and between the Son. And that was the moment when he bore the sins of the whole world 
upon his shoulders. Which goes to the scripture of, why have you forsaken me? The father had turned his back on him. There was total separation right there. The father knew that there was going to be total separation. Jesus knew there was going to be total separation. The uh, uh, Holy Spirit knew there was going to be total separation. And possibly the angels knew there was going to be total separation. But before that, all that took place, there is a celebration of birth. See, before something takes place that's horrible, there's always something that takes place that was before. They celebrate the birth of Christ, and we also celebrate the resurrection. Not necessarily the death, but the death had to happen for the resurrection. For the death to take place, there had to be a start, a birth. So eventually, there's going to be a second coming. There's also going to be celebration there as well. Now, in the Old Testament, time-wise, Nehemiah was one of the last books that was written. Now, for the time frame, you had Jeremiah, you had Daniel, and you had Ezra and Nehemiah, and uh, and there's some others that were in in, in on this, in this time frame, but Nehemiah was one of the last ones. They went back, completed the wall that surrounded the city, they completed the temple, and Nehemiah put back in order the priest, the teaching of God's word, and and moving forward. He departed from there, he went back to Babylon, was there for a period of time, and then went back, and seeing that the people had fallen away, and, and, and not doing, not paying their tithes like they should have been, not, not doing for the priest what they should have been, the priest ended up getting corrupt, and he went back and he corrected all of that. Now from that point on, 400 years, roughly pass God don't send them a prophet there is no more of God's word being spoken it's still being taught through the priest even today not all pastors not all priests are faithful men some do it for the money some do it for the prestige if you would have told me I would be doing this in 2015, I would have told you, you're nuts. No way. I won't get up in front of people. I'm not comfortable with it. It took me a while to get comfortable with this. This today was sprung on me this morning. I'm fine with that. Because the way that I see it, if God called me to it, He's going to give me something. I had 10 minutes to get this ready. I thank God that He gave me the studies that I do prior and have them written down just so times like this, I'm prepared. See, God prepares you for things in your life that will come up immediately, that will come up eventually, but will come up. It's your job to prepare for them. Israel 
400 years goes by without a peep from God through any prophets or whatsoever. They, there were some that were still being faithful. We're going to get into uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth here in a minute. Now, you name your kids either after somebody or just because you like the name. Now, before Alyssa was born and we knew the gender, I had a name picked out for a purpose. The name was Luke. Because the individual is a doctor, a man of God, and an author. But two nurses conspired against me, and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, I got a daughter. So when I found out I was going to have a daughter, I'm sitting there in the, in the room, and I'm straight-faced, and they knew that I was intended on a son, and because and, uh, I already had two nieces wrapped around my finger, and obviously God wouldn't do that to me. But uh, so anyway, uh, I'm sitting there just soaking it in. Three girls over in the corner celebrating, and I'm just soaking it in. One lady come up and says, you really didn't want a girl, did you? I said, no, see, it's not that. It's not that I didn't want a girl. It's just come about date and age, I'm going to have to kill me about five or six boys. And she just started laughing. Oh, honey, after you kill the first one, the rest will know, know better. I was like, no, no, they won't, because boys are stupid. So, so, <clears throat> so I had a little girl. And, uh, and, and in this time, I'm trying to think of what name to name this girl. There's a reason I wanted to name, her, na name him Luke. But, uh, but who am I going to pick out as her middle name? The strongest woman I know, knew, was my grandma, Agnes Daisy Marler. She buried two, two children and a husband and a grandson. That woman was strong, raised a family by herself supported every one of them and she had uh, was it three girls and four boys she sacrificed a lot so I called her grandma but it would be kind of silly to call Alyssa Alyssa grandma Asbury so I called her Daisy after my grandma born on the same day as as uh as as my grandma so god blessed us in in that but two names that come up if you were to look their names up in history zachariah and elizabeth and hebrew what they mean zachariah's name means god remembers Elizabeth's name means his oath. See, all the way back in Genesis, there was a promise made. As soon as sin come into the world, a promise was made. Through when when uh, they said when he, when God said about uh, uh, his heel will be bruised and Satan's head 
would be bruised. That was the announcement, the first announcement of Christ's coming. Both those names together, God remembers His oath. There's promises made throughout the entire Testament on the coming of Christ. Some people couldn't separate the king, the lion from the lamb. But if you pay attention on how everything's put together, there has to be a separation. Because if there's a kingdom never ending, but the individual dies, there has to be a separation. There has to be. Two comings. He's completed his first. So in, in uh, verse 6 of chapter 1 of Luke, it says, and it's referring to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they both were righteous before God, walking in His commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. So they intentionally, intentionally followed God in accordance to what the law said. It wasn't like some Christians are today that I got my fire insurance and just we're just going to go with that. No, I want to know who you are. Not just what others tell me about you, but I want to know. I want to have a relationship. I want this to be personal between us. But Because if this isn't personal between us, then what's the point in any of it? If you don't have a relationship with Christ, then what? Then your whole entire life is pointless, is useless. When you get to the end and, and you stand before God and you have nothing but one crown to offer Him and it's because He gave it to you because of a choice you barely made? Man, I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want you to be that people. And neither does He. That relationship He desires so much. Jesus is the perfect testimony of Christ or of God. If you want to know who God is, find out who Jesus is. And that's exactly who God is. How many little boys tell their dads, I want to be like you? Pretty much every one of them. What do you think Jesus says about His Father when He sees the things that He's said, the things that He's done? You don't think God had an impact on Christ? Of course He did, because He's just like Him. I want to be just like you, Daddy. And He is. Why? Because the effort He took put forth. In everything He did, He took His Father into consideration. Everything He said, He took His Father into consideration. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Obviously, they're not perfect. But as it said there, everything that they said, everything that they've done was to move forward, to have that relationship with God. To have that relationship with God, they knew that they had to live a, per, uh, uh, a particular way. And so they made an effort to do so. Is it easy? No. Not always. Sometimes it is. Not always. In verse 11, 
But it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, the lot fell on Zacharias to go in and burn the incense. Now, they chose these lots. It's like choosing straws, and he drew the short straw. Because I guess they, there was short of volunteers. Before they do any of this, there's rehearsal. This is where the, this is where the incense is. This is what you're going to do. And you have to do it like this. This is the way the law says to do it. This is the way the priests are supposed to do it. So we want to follow the order and how it's to be done to be obedient to God. So they practiced this. So in our relationship, we're to practice reading our Bible. We're to practice prayer. We're to practice fellowship. We're to practice our faith, our trust. We're to practice this. So they would do this, but they did it. They wanted to be blameless before God because the fear was if I go in there and I'm unholy, I'm unrighteous, and I step before God in this manner, I could lose my life. So there was some fear to this. So he goes in there, and knowing this, he stands, and he's getting ready to do the incense, and all of a sudden there's an angel standing there. What do you think happened? Fear gripped him. Not just took a hold, but gripped him. You see what some people do in fear. Some freeze. Some run. Some fight. That took place, and the angel told him, don't fear. Don't fear. And in this moment, I understand you just told me not to fear, but I can't help it. I don't know how big this angel was. I don't know what he looked like. I have no idea, and it doesn't matter. But still, he knows where he's at. He does not know the purpose of why he's there, but he has just been told, do not fear. And he tells him why not to fear. Your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. And he's going to do this. And he lines out his, his diet, what he's going to do, what he's going to wear. And he's going to be the forerunner of Christ. You know, the one who you've been waiting for. He's going to be the one to announce him that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. So he hears all of this. And he's still trying to wrap his head around. For one, there's an angel here, and I'm not dead yet. The other is, me and my wife are past childbearing age. I, he's, looking at, he's looking at it in the immediate physical sense, not looking back at what was done for Abraham. Not looking back at what was done for all the others who were barren and without child. And in verse 11, it says in the angel, or sorry, sorry, go down to verse uh, 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years, but yet he's wise. See, the angels called it as is. Called him old, 
and his wife old. But he was smart enough to say advanced in years. <laughs> and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which uh, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, the amount of time he spent in there listening to Gabriel tell him all of this stuff and then his rebuttal and then the angels rebuttal back. His time has expired for him to be in there because they know, hey, we've all gone through the schooling and the people there know that this time, it's no priest has taken this long. Why is it taking this long? Nobody dilly-dallies in there. Nobody hangs out and just, you know, they go in, they take care of business, and they come right back out because a particular set of fear. It's a respectful fear. See, I know who God is. I don't want to be disobedient for God to God. So when I know that I go in and I burn these incense and, and I do this in a particular manner that we've been trained for, I'm not going to do or spend any more time in that is allowed. But yet, he's met there by a messenger from God. See, we have a time frame. We have a plan. God inserted himself in Zechariah's time, time frame was not his plan. But it doesn't matter. It was God's plan. See, God, he didn't seek God out for this. God sought him out for this. Just like everybody standing in, or sitting in this building today, you didn't seek God out to come here today. God sought you out and allowed you to be here today. And in verse 24, it says, uh, Now after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and uh, she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when, uh, when he looked on, on me, and he took away my reproach among people. All right, now, Zechariah comes out, doesn't speak, can't speak. They know that something had taken place. Again, roughly 400 years, God has not said a word. And guess what? For about nine months, Zechariah is not going to say a word. God had spoken. But sometimes we don't listen. Zechariah is going to take this time to reflect on what was spoken to him and what he's going to do about it. He goes home and lets Elizabeth know what took place and what was said. I believe it was hard for her because this prayer had been so long and she's past childbearing age that even she may have struggled with this. Hid herself for five months. Could have been in constant prayer. Lord, let this be done is according to your purpose and your will. Or somewhere along the lines, Lord, please don't let this be a hoax. 
I've been struggling not having a child for years. People look upon me as if it's my sin that kept me from having a child. Don't take this blessing away from me. But after fifth month, her whole attitude's changed. All right, now in Luke verse 28. And, it, and, uh, and having come in, the angel said to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is uh, with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, there's a lot to unpack on this one. For first, rejoice. Why? She don't know why yet, but she's going to find out why here in a moment. Highly favored one. What makes me so highly favored that an angel would come and greet me in this manner? I would say she was probably the same attitude of Zechariah and Elizabeth blameless before God. Lord is with you. Even a lot of Christians today, they think, it just doesn't seem like God's with me right now. I'm not reading the way I should. I'm not praying the way I should. I'm not acting the way I should. I'm not doing the, way I, the, the things I should. You know what that means? You're out of fellowship. He's not talking to you because you're not allowing Him to. You've already ignored what He said to you prior. Go back to what He said to you prior and be obedient in it. Read your Word. Be in prayer. Outside of His Word, outside of His prayer, how do you expect to meet God? I see, I, I've heard people say, oh, well, you know what? Uh, I don't know where I need to read. I'm just going to turn it. And this is what I need to read. That's playing Russian roulette, and that's not a God. That flipping and pointing, that's not God's direction. That's Satan telling you, I don't want you to hear what he's wanting to tell you. Last one, blessed are you among women. This is a, roughly a 13-year-old kid. Blessed are you among women. What's the blessing? All the, this, this whole thing, everything that Gabriel just said to her, there's a lot to it. And a lot just, if you were to stop and you weren't to know the rest of what happens... You have no, no, no reason to understand of what's to rejoice about. Why is she highly favored? And how is God with her? And how is she blessed among women? But when you know what takes place after, not just through the birth, but through the way that he lived his life and through his death, and what continues today, out of all the Marys, out of all the Marys that has been in our, our, our world and on, on all the Marys that is written in Scripture, there is no Mary that had been blessed more than this one right here because she is the one, the only mother of Christ. 
Do I pray to her? No, I don't. She's not my mediator. She's not the go-between between me and God. She don't intercede on my behalf. Jesus and the Holy Spirit does. See, it's not Mary who lives within my heart. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. This here is to be a temple. So therefore, I'm to protect it by the things I eat, by the things that I drink, by the the things that I do, by the things that I say, by what I allow to come in to go out. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles the man, it's what comes out of it. It's what you say. So do people see that you're a Christian by the words you say? Or is it just pretend? Do they see the real you throughout the rest of the day? And then you come here to be a better man or woman. And in verse 36, he says, Now now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has has conceived a son in her old age, and and, uh, this is now the sixth month uh, uh, for her who was called barren, for without God, or sorry, with, with God, nothing is impossible. So Gabriel lets Mary know, hey, Elizabeth, who had been barren all the way up to this point, she is in her sixth month. Why is Elizabeth even brought up in this whole conversation? Because this is the incentive for her to go spend time with Elizabeth. Why? Because Elizabeth is going to encourage Mary to last the rest of her six months of pregnancy. See, Elizabeth is a godly woman, advanced in years. Mary is yet still a child. She is 13 years of age, but I believe her to be mature enough to know enough about God and have enough trust and faith and obedience to do what she's going to be called to do. Now take into consideration, she's getting ready to give birth to the greatest gift we've ever ever received. Now think about this. When you read about the end of Jesus' physical life, who was present? See, Simeon told Mary what was going to happen later on in her life. So roughly 33 years later, she was going to suffer as a mother suffers, watching her child die in a malicious way. But yet this is going to be a time of celebration. Yeah, there's going to be a time of suffering sometime down the road, but even after that, there's going to be a time of celebration. See, the suffering was only for so long. But the thing is, is Mary knew the purpose of Christ... She knew what was going to take place. But she also knew the purpose. 
Through the resurrection, we've been redeemed through the acceptance of Christ. But there's still that physical loss. There's still that hurt, but that celebration and knowing what your son just accomplished. It wasn't just God's son. It was hers as well. It wasn't just God that was suffering through the cross. It wasn't just Jesus suffering through the cross. It was those who loved him very much that watched it all go down. Years ago, Passion of the Christ came out. Mel Gibson uh, had this movie done. Uh, Jim Caviezel played the part of Jesus. And uh, they, they told him that uh, I, he, was, he was a thriving actor at that time. They told him, if you do this, your movie career is over. Okay. He did the movie. There was an, a spiritual awakening for him through this movie. Now, he's done stuff since then. What man says they can take away, God can give it to you more abundantly. Are you going to be faithful to man or faithful to God? Mary told Gabriel, She said, let God's will be done. How many of us in our personal lives can look at our circumstance and know what it looks like, but know that there's a potential different outcome through Christ? Mary's going to endure some ridicule, some torment coming up. Because not everybody believed that she was that Jesus was virgin born. And in verse forty it says <clears throat> Mary entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting Mary, uh, greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in the inner womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then uh, she spoke with a loud voice and, and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of the womb. But why is this uh, granted me that the mother of, uh, of my Lord should come to me? Now, Mary didn't call Elizabeth up and says, Hey, hi, you'll never believe what just happened to me. I got some news to share with you. Elizabeth says, yeah, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. They didn't get on the phone and do this. Gabriel came to Mary and said, hey, your, your Elizabeth, your relative, is getting ready to give birth here in a few months. Mary went to go hang out with her. And as soon as she walked in, Mary knew, or Elizabeth knew nothing at this point. Now, she walked in, hey, Elizabeth, what's up? And all of a sudden, John's like, bam, check this out, mama. That's Jesus in her belly. And, uh, and Mary, or Elizabeth, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke. Was it Elizabeth that spoke? Or was it the Holy Spirit that spoke? 
It was the Holy Spirit that spoke through Elizabeth because there's things that was out of Elizabeth's knowledge at that time. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, Elizabeth, check this out. You're getting ready to give birth to a son. And he is the forerunner of the Christ, just like Zechariah said. Mary is the one that has given birth to the Christ. And so she answered in the manner that she did because the Holy Spirit brought that to her attention and it was something that she could not hold in. Right after that, Mary... Man, you need to go back and read this part uh, uh, from verse 44 and on. Uh, Mary magnifies God. And when you read through that, it is such an awesome thing to see because you see two individuals coming in and just automatically there's... there's God completely fills the air in that room because there is such a celebration on what's getting ready to take place and how awesome things are getting ready, ready to be. The one whom we've been waiting for and whom we've been waiting for even today. See, nothing has to happen for Him to come back for His second coming. Are you ready? And in verse 65, John's born, Mary goes back, and they ask what the name of the boy is going to be. Elizabeth said John. They's like, nah, you, you guys don't even have a relative named John. You, you're not going to name him Zachariah after the father? You don't. It can't be John. It's not John. Holy Spirit puts something on your heart. Hey, I want you to be a missionary. Hey, I want you to go over here and, and, and witness to these people. Hey, I want you to be a teacher in your church. I want you to start up this uh, evangelist program. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then people say, you can't do that. You don't have the schooling for that. You, you, can't, you can't go out and do all those things. Are you crazy? You know what people are going to say about you? What people are going to do to you? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar says, if you do not bow down to this statue, when all this music plays, I will heat this furnace up seven times and I will throw you in the furnace. What? God can save you from that. And they stood before the king, not in arrogance, but in holy boldness, saying whether our God saves us or not is irrelevant. We will not bow down and worship this. Everybody around them bowed down. Didn't worship, but they played the act. Because if they were truly worshiping, they wouldn't have been looking up and seeing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not serving, not bowing. We have those people in our churches today. May have their fire insurance, 
maybe imposters. So in verse 65, after Zechariah says his name's John, fear came on all ho those who dwelt around them, and all the and on and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all those who heard and kept them in their hearts, saying, "What kind of child will this be?" And that hand of the Lord was with him. So after that, Zechariah prophesies about what Jesus is going to do. And shortly after that, he tells him what John is going to do. Now, now in uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, Now there was in now there was in the hill country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night and behold an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel of uh, said to them do not be afraid for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which uh, which will be to all people <clears throat> for there there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ and Christ the Lord and this will be sign uh, to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and suddenly there was uh, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing glory to God of the highest and and uh, and on earth peace goodwill towards men picture this you're out in the field shepherding with the other shepherds and all of a sudden an angel appears it's lit up around the area where the angel is and he gives this announcement about this child that was just born in a town that's neighboring to the field where they're at. And all of a sudden, that whole place opened up and a multitude of angels singing this song. Yeah, it'd been pretty cool to see. Would have been pretty cool to see. We're going to see that eventually one day. Not this particular event, but we're going to see, see the angels. Worshiping just the way we're worshiping. Singing and praising. And in verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard, uh, heard it marveled at these things which were told to them by the shepherds but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that uh, that they had heard and seen 
as it was told them. Now, when people tell you a story, there's, there's something that's been lost through TV. And it's imagination. Now, one, I, I don't care to watch baseball on TV. I don't care to. I like to listen to it on the radio. I prefer to listen to it on the radio. Now, when I was a kid, I was 15 years old, and uh, the country station at that time was uh, 92, WIL. And uh, in the morning and in the afternoon, there was an individual that came on. His name is Paul Harvey. And he was one of the one of the last individuals I heard that would do this. And he would give the news in a particular manner. And he would even tell stories throughout the thing. And he kind of brought that to life. TV kind of took that part of the imagination away because when he would tell stories, you would listen to it in a particular way and you can imagine being there. Imagine seeing it in a certain way. And everybody, the way that I would see it is maybe different than the way that you see it. Maybe different colors, different clothes, different attitudes, different people. But there's one thing that will never change. There's one thing that will always be a constant. There will be one thing that will always be a fact. Jesus was born of a virgin. Mary was her name. John was the forerunner of Christ who prepared the way for Jesus. Fact. Jesus lived and died for you personally. Fact. That third day, he was resurrected. I listened to a story this week. Uh, I, was uh, I was listening to David Jeremiah, and uh, he was telling a story. I can't remember the pastor's name. They had two children, and a mother had passed away, and he wanted to comfort his children, and he didn't know how. Didn't have the words for it at the time. But he seen them and knew that they needed to be comforted. And as they go by, this big truck overshadows them and goes by. And he asks the children and says, I want to ask you guys a question. Would you like to be hit by the truck or by its shadow? And they said, by the shadow, of course. He said, see, your mother had passed away. Death didn't win. Death didn't conquer. See, those of us that are Christians, it doesn't. See, it was Jesus who was hit by the truck. And it's us who was hit by the shadow. We don't go through the same death that non-believers go through. Because there is somebody that went before us that took that fact people can deny Christ their entire life they can go through history 
and they can acknowledge that the man was real, but to deny his deity and who he is as the Son of God. But there will be one day that comes that every single living individual that stood on this earth before will stand before God and take an account. And at that time, they cannot deny what is real. Just because they say He's not real doesn't mean He's not real. This season can be whatever you desire it to be. It could be about the secular things. It could be about spiritual things. We have so many traditions. Make one tradition a constant. Your relationship with Christ. It shouldn't just be a tradition once a year or twice a year. My two favorite holidays is Christmas and Easter because there had to be a beginning for the second beginning. One had to take place before the other, and both of them are in celebration of what He's done for me. That's why those two are my favorite. It's not the gifts. It's not the giving. Although that's all fun and good. It's not the cookies. I mean, it's kind of the cookies. But, but all those traditions are great. But without Christ, they're useless. They're useless. Allow God to be the main focus of your Christmas. And I guarantee you if that's the way it's going to be, the rest of your Christmases will be a blessing. Amen. Thanks again, Brother Doug. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes of prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.